What's going on, everybody? I'm Dylan Patemri, and welcome back to yet another episode of Top Shelf. Things are getting interesting in the NHL. This week, we're going to discuss where teams are standing right now and what moves they're eyeing, what players are looking like they're on the trade block and are going to be leaving their teams. The trade deadline is less than two weeks away, so we're just going to hop right on in to another episode of Top Shelf. Alrighty, so with the deadline coming up, the big topic of discussion is how many trades are actually going to be happening at the deadline with quarantining. Well, there is some good news for Canadian teams, as players coming from the U.S. will now only be subject to seven days in quarantine. Now, at the beginning of the season, it was originally 14 days, which gave American teams a bit of an advantage, only needing a week as opposed to two for the Canadian teams. According to the Canadian press, the Public Health Agency of Canada said that the provinces with NHL teams have, quote, provided a written commitment that they support the proposed risk measures from the NHL. Kyle Dubas, who is the GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs, had talked about this earlier on in the season about how if they were going to make a move at the trade deadline, that it wouldn't be as beneficial to them with the 14-day quarantine and that they would make a move for a player and they'd have to sit out for six or so games and then they would be in a worse situation than they were before they traded. Well, now player won't be missing as much time as they're only going to have to miss seven days, which is normally about three or four games for each team. Um, and this could make it so we might end up seeing a lot more trades happening at the deadline. Um, originally, we thought that there might be a lot more trades kind of being held off and maybe even seeing a lot of Canadian teams not making as many moves as the um, as the American teams because of quarantining and maybe thinking that these Canadian teams might be making moves a lot earlier. But luckily, it is only seven days now, so it is an even playing field. Um, we might see teams like the Edmonton Oilers and Toronto Maple Leafs of those Canadian teams that are looking to make a playoff push and add some assets to them. So we did have a trade this past week. The first player that will be taking into effect this seven-day quarantine for Canadian teams is Eric Stahl. Now, Eric Stahl of the Buffalo Sabres has been traded to the Montreal Canadiens who sent a third and a fifth for the centerman. Saul was one of the players I was talking about last week, who I figured was undoubtedly going to be making a move. He seemed to be one of the sought-out players, being able to do almost anything on the last penalty kill. He could center really any of the top four lines you need him to be. He's a great veteran. I was expecting a bit of a bigger asking price than he ended up costing. Um, I've seen some people saying that Montreal overpaid for Saul, and I simply don't think that's the case. If you look at what Montreal had... They actually did have two thirds and two fifths, so they only gave up one. So they're still going to have seven picks, one in each of the rounds. I don't think this is a bad price for Eric Stoll at all. I was expecting a bigger team probably to go after him like the Toronto Maple Leafs or a couple of other teams to look at to solidify their bottom six. And I was expecting them maybe to have to give up like a first rounder or a prospect for him. I guess I might have... A overthought what Eric Stoll's value is, but I still think, I think some people are 
undermining what he actually is. So, I mean, this season he played with the Sabres. So he has 10 points in 32 games and is a minus 20 on the season. Now that's awful. Like we're, we're, I'm not going to come out and say that that's good, but like how much of that is the Buffalo Sabre effect on him now? Uh, the team is currently on track to potentially have a worse season than when they purposely basically tanked for Connor McDavid and ended up losing out and getting Jack Eichel instead. But last year uh, with Minnesota, uh, Eric Stahl put up 47 points in 66 games, which is very, very solid. Uh, I think any team could use that. That's a great depth scoring. And to fall off from that 47 points down to 10 points, probably on track for 20 points this season, um, seems to me to be because of the team fit and what who he has around him and not so much him getting older. Saul is old, yes, but he's also a very good center. Um, and I suspect that once he gets some line mates alongside of him, and if you look at the Canadians team, he will definitely have some great teammates there. Um, I think I think the third and a fifth is great value for this Canadians team. Uh, I do think if the Sabres held on a bit longer to uh, Eric Stahl, that uh, another team might have came in and overpaid a bit more than that third and fifth. I suspect Stahl might be centering the third or fourth line, one of those two probably. He probably won't. He's not going to be in their top two lines. Uh, the Canadians have an insane center depth. Currently, they already have Philip Deneau and Jesper Kokanyemi and Nick Suzuki now adding Eric Stahl, and that's four amazing centers you have. Uh, both Suzuki and Kokanyemi can be pushed out to the wings to make room for Stahl. However, I could see the possibility of him being placed on that fourth line with Corey Perry. The Canadians are a very solid team, and personally, I would be scared to put him in the playoffs. But putting him maybe just on that depth scoring on that fourth line with Corey Perry, who they signed this offseason, I think they've got some great players. Now, they don't have that star-studded player like a Connor McDavid or an Austin Matthews, but they do have Carey Price, who's an elite goalie and a veteran defenseman in Shea Weber. And then, like I said, they don't have the huge scoring option, but they have tons of scoring options on the wings in Tyler Toffoli, Thomas Tatar, Josh Anderson, and Saul is just adding leadership and flexibility to this already solid Canadians core. Now, keeping along with the Montreal Canadiens, Cole Caulfield signed his three-year level entry deal with them on Saturday. Caulfield will be reporting to the Canadiens AHL team for this his professional debut. I was talking a bit about Caulfield maybe getting thrown on the taxi squad, but I guess it, it does make more sense that this would probably be the better option for him. Caulfield is very small framed at 5'7", 5'8"-ish kind of area, and he hasn't really banged around with the big bodies that he played in college. Uh, there's not as many big, like, Grown, fully grown professionals in there. And I think that the AHL will be a great first test for him to see how he does in a prof professional hockey setting. Um, he's definitely going to need to build up some strength being that small, uh, kind of like the players, like he's going to be like a Tyler Ennis, who's that small sniper type of build. And you got to build up that strength. So if you take a big hit, you're going to be able to bounce back from it. Um, but who knows when he's going to, if he could come up this season, I guess we're going to have to see how he does in his AHL debut and the games to follow. And maybe just maybe if he does well enough, he'll get called up come playoff time. Now, keeping along with these college players, 
as their seasons are starting to come to an end. Another college player recently signed a three-year level entry deal from Boston College is Matthew Boldy. Now, Boldy, who was the Wilds' first-round pick in 2019, who went 12th overall, same year as Caulfield, tallied 31 points in 22 games for the Eagles this past season. He led them in scoring goals, assists, power play points, power play assists, and shots on goal and he was tied first for shorthanded goals and 11 fair points across the country he was also a part of that world juniors u.s team that won gold this winter boldy is just another young talent that will soon be making their way into this minnesota wild team that looks to be having a very bright future start started by kirill kaprizov the rookie sensation from russia um and we're going to shift on over into the Florida Panthers, who recently had a huge injury um, as top defenseman Aaron Ep- Ep- Ooh, excuse me, top defenseman Aaron Ekblag went down on Sunday. Um, he had a fracture in his leg and had surgery on Monday, and it came out that the defenseman is going to probably be out for about 12-ish weeks. Uh, Ekblad had 11 goals and 11 assists on the season, putting him as the Panthers' leading defenseman in points. He also leads the entire Panthers team in time on ice with 25 minutes and five seconds. That's just under half of the game he's out on the ice. And this is obviously a huge loss for this Panthers team who has been outperforming and exceeding everyone's expectations. 12 weeks out would mean it's about like June 21st, meaning that he's probably out for the rest of the season. And this is a tough blow. Um, I'm not sure how confident I'm still am in this team. I know like I, I wasn't confident at all going into the season, but they proved me wrong. And I was thinking, oh, this, this, this team is pretty good. And then like they're going under the radar and people might underestimate them. But now losing their top defensemen, uh, the rest are really going to have to pick it up and they might have to make a move for a D-man. Uh, Huberto and Barkov are huge reason to why they are where they are um the two forward combination have been outstanding this season but with the trade day deadline looming if the player if the panthers want any chance to make the cup um it's clear that they're going to need to pick up another defenseman players like Ekholm and dennis savard who are top of the list for trade put trade bait and potential players on the trade block um Recently, Shane Goshespear went up on waivers. However, he was available until today at 12 o'clock and no team claimed him, meaning that he has cleared waivers. No team wanted him. No team traded for him. Um, So it looks like he's probably going to be sticking in with Philadelphia for now. Maybe a team will make a move for him at the trade deadline. Um, He's got $4.5 million contract for the next three years, though. He's been a bit inconsistent and falling out of order for the struggling Flyers team. Um, he's probably going to get placed on their taxi squad now, but the the Panthers are going to have to look to be active and add another defenseman if they want any chance at making a deep cup run. Um, but continuing with the Flyers, um, raising questions about them as we transition, uh, I had high expectations for this Flyers team. Uh, in my preseason predictions, I claimed them to be my winners of the Mass Mutual East Division. They currently sit just outside now in fifth place, behind the Bruins by three points, though the Bruins do have two games in hand. So it really could be like seven points max, in between three and seven points behind the Bruins. Um, but the big factor is Carter Hart. Uh, Carter Hart um, is a question that they have to be addressing 
he is young, 22. We talked about him before. Obviously, he's going to be their goaltender of the future, and he has to play his way out of this. Every goal, young goalie is going to have a struggle. Like It's just an off season for him, but it's clear that he's having a down season. And the question is, do they make a trade for another goalie? Brian Elliott, their current backup, isn't good enough to help booster and bolster them into the playoffs. In my opinion, if they're going to make a trade, it would be for a player like a Devin Dubnik, who can be a clear starter for the team and a competitive alternate to heart and maybe get him going. Um, my thoughts on the situation with the Flyers' struggles is we probably won't see them making any big moves and they're probably just going to ride out with the roster that they have. They might make a couple trades to sell out. Um, I think if they make the playoffs, they make it. If they don't make the playoffs, then they don't make the playoffs. I think they're just going to have to deal with that. Obviously, not making the playoffs would be a huge disappointment to this team. However, I don't see them making any huge acquisitions or giving that like just I don't see them making a trade for like a Devin Dubnik who's only temporary like you're going with Carter Hart unless you're only giving up like a fourth or something like that then you're probably not making a trade and I think the Flyers are probably going to miss out on the playoffs unfortunately this year another team that is looking for goaltending as their problem is the Pittsburgh Penguins now the Penguins are sitting in a playoff position now different from the Flyers uh, after there was uncertainties at the beginning of the season a move from for a goalie might be necessary for them. They've been progressively talking about this throughout the year. There was even rumors that they were going to bring back Marc-Andre Fleury. However, with how Fleury's been playing this season and the Vegas Golden Knights being a top contender, they're going to want to hold on to Fleury, though he might be leaving this next season. Who knows? That's a whole different situation, but they did trade netminder Matt Murray this offseason to the Senators and have relied on Tristan Jari and Craig Smith. Now, Tristan Jari is expected to miss significant time after sustaining an upper body injury. So options like the Devin, Devin Dubnik of the San Jose Sharks or even Elvis Merzlinkis of the Blue Jackets could be potential targets. Now, Dubnik is on an expiring deal, while Merzlinkis will have another year after this one. So he's got two years left on his deal. I think Dubnik would definitely be a cheaper option, only requiring like a fourth and maybe like a conditional fifth or sixth or some secondary pick there. And the Penguins, who have a team that certainly is not getting any younger, will have to evaluate where Jerry stands with his injury. They're definitely going to want to pick up a goalie. I think Devin Dubnik is a big potential one for them. Elvis Marcus Lincolns would be a move for the future. However, I don't think they want to claim onto the the contract right now and hold and be certain because he would be someone more that you would keep and have for the future. And right now the Penguins are in a win now type of situation. And then they'll evaluate what they want to do for the future at a later time. So I think committing to Devin Dubnik, who won't cost as much, would be the better option for them now. But another team that has goalies in abundance, though, is the Carolina Hurricanes. The Hurricanes are not expected to make a big splash during the trade deadline, um, though with goalie Alex Nedeljkovic and playing and with their backups, James Reimer and Peter Morazic. Now, James Reimer and Peter Morazic are both on expiring deals, while Nadelchevich is not in, is looking very hot as of recent. Um, the team does not have the most cap room, and Morazic has been injured quite a lot this season. Uh, they could end up holding on to all three of these goalies for a long playoff run, and who knows what could happen with COVID protocol and losing a goaltender and stuff like that. So they could very well just hold on to these goalies. However, I do expect other teams 
because goalies seem to be in demand uh, to make an offer. And if they get the right value, I, like a second rounder or maybe a third and another pick, I wouldn't be surprised to see them pull the trigger on that. The the Hurricanes are not sellers. They I don't know if they're buyers, though, with their cap space. They'll probably just hold where they are. Uh, they're in a very solid position. However, I would not be surprised if one of these two, James Reimer, Peter Morazic, does get moved. The Predators now transitioning have been rumored to be sellers this, this trade deadline with the amount of players being linked to potential trades. However, the Predators have won five straight now and are now sit tied in fourth in the Central Division with the Chicago Blackhawks. The team might be looking to stay with where they are at and maybe become buyers. I think it's unlikely they become buyers, but more become less of sellers and just staying content with where their team's at. Um, but although the team is possibly going to make the playoffs, it's, it's going to be a close race between them and the Blackhawks. They might be more focused on their future than their present. Now, the team has been coming together, but the likelihood of them making a deep playoff run this year is probably limited. Now, defenseman Mateus Ekholm is still sits atop of everyone's list as the top D-man in this trade deadline, uh, like on, on the trade bait. Um, Ekholm might cost a bit more. It might be a bit more expensive, though, now that the Predators are potentially competing for a playoff spot. Uh, a team will definitely need to include a first-rounder if they want to pry away this defenseman from the Preds. Um, if they don't sell Ekholm, it would only be reasonable that uh, they're looking to make up that playoff push. However, if they do end up trading away Ekholm, I could also expect that Mikhail Granlin would be shipped out as well. The Leafs seem to be like a top candidate seeking out Granlin as their left winger on that second line with Tavares and Nylander. Granlin could also play in the center if needed, but they are looking for that sixth player into their top six to really solidify it. Um, however, I wouldn't be surprised if Toronto couldn't cough up the assets for him as he might be overpriced as well. The Maple Leafs who have exploded the season have seemed to be linked to almost any player that's available as a trade asset. Uh, TSN is constantly talking about what players could fit into their lineups, but in the end, they probably won't be able to get many players because they really don't have the cap room. Uh, recently, I saw TSN talking about how Taylor Hall would fit into their second line. So I'm just going to give you guys a little news flash there at TSN. The Leafs do not have the cap space or anything to get Taylor Hall. But besides the deluded people over there thinking that they can get any person available, uh, continuing with Taylor Hall and the Sabres, who, as you know, we talk about a lot this season with how atrocious they've been. Now Taylor Hall has come out recently and said that if a team is interested, he is open to that move. Um, now the problem I'm starting to have with Taylor Hall is I think he's becoming overvalued. Uh, he still has that heart trophy connected to his name and he's still viewed as this top notch point per game winger, you know, that first overall pick. And I think that's gone. Um, I think when you're trading for Taylor Hall, now you're not trading for Taylor Hall as a player, you're trading for the name of Taylor Hall. Um, I think he's just a solid top six winger now. Um, and I think he's shown that like he can't be that leader on the team. He got to play alongside Jack Eichel and the Sabres team, and they've just looked so bad this season. 
Um, I think if I was trading for Taylor Hall, I personally wouldn't give up more than a second and a third or like a B-ish level prospect. Hall, who only has one year left. Um, and I think wherever he goes, Buffalo's most likely going to have to retain a lot of his salary. Not many teams are going to be able to afford $8 million into their team. Um, I think Hall could also be moved for that asking price that I mentioned before of like a second and maybe have another pick or maybe even have like a conditional first attached to him that it comes into play if he resigns with that team because you really don't want to be giving up a first for him if he's just going to be a rental. I don't think he's worth that. Um, however, I do think Buffalo is going to be looking for a first in return for Taylor Hall, which I don't think any team should really cough up. I think you're giving up a first for his name where you could be giving up a second for the actual player. Um, continuing on with Buffalo, we saw them move stall, as I mentioned earlier, and things are just getting worse and worse for them. Uh, the Buffalo Sabres are on an 18-game losing streak right now after giving up a 3-0 lead in third on Monday. If they lose tomorrow against the Rangers, they will go into the history books as the lone team for the longest losing streak with 19. Right now, if the season was going to be 82 games, they would be on pace to get 41 points. That would only be two points better than the Detroit Red Wings of last year. And if you don't remember the Detroit Red Wings of last year, I don't blame you. They had 39 points and one of the worst seasons of all time before getting screwed over in the NHL draft lottery, getting the fourth pick. Um, the, and this would be even more disappointing for the Sabres performance because their team has a lot more talent than that Red Wings team did. That Red Wings team didn't really have anyone. They had Dylan Larkin and that was just about it. Um, Sabre fans have got to be mad and it's only a matter of time till Jack Eichel comes out and says he wants to trade. Obviously, he's injured right now, so it's going to probably not be till this summer when they reevaluate his injury and what he's like, and he probably will ask for a trade and could get traded this summer or maybe before the trade deadline. I don't know. I th Not before this trade deadline. I was talking next year. I think he might get moved in this summer as teams try and find out where they want. He does have a hefty contract of $10 million, but I do think that the Sabres are going to just start selling their entire team and just start over, probably keep prospect like Ross Misdalene as your top D-man in line Solmark and net. But other than that, you're really going to just be working with like Casey Millsat, who hasn't turned out to anything. And you got Sam Reinhart there, who might be your next potential best player that you have. Now, there's a long list of players who are sitting atop of the trading block as potential options for team. I'm going to run through a couple of them. One of them we got is Nick Foligno of the Columbus Blue Jackets, who's one option. Uh, the captain is on an expiring deal and could be a veteran presence to many teams. Uh, he can be a power play or penalty kill. He's just a great overall player. Um, he's got great leadership to them. He's one of the best options out there for rentals. It would probably only cost a team a couple of picks. I think he'd be a really good pickup to a lot of teams. It's all in, uh, depends on what the Columbus Blue Jackets do decide to do. If we look at the standings here right now, we see that in that central division, like I said, you've got the Predators and Blackhawks competing for that fourth uh, spot. And then the Blue Jackets are right behind them, about three points behind. I don't think the Blue Jackets are going to get in. So I really do think they should become sellers. However, I don't know if they would get rid of their captain. He might resign this offseason. He is going to be a UFA. 
though I think he might stick at it out with the team. Another player who's available and has been listed from the Ducks as someone to give out uh, is Ricard Raquel. Ricard Raquel, who's in his prime right now, he's 27 years old, great goal scorer, has 22 points in 36 games this year. He has another year remaining on his contract. He wouldn't be so much a rental for a team as much as a longer-term option. Uh, getting him would probably involve an, an A-list prospect as long as picks to follow. Um, the Ducks obviously looking to move this guy and get the best value for him. He's not going to fit into their team now. He, uh, They're not a team of now. They're looking to move it out for the future. And he will probably be in his 30s by the time that they start get going with their uh, youth movement. Uh, so I think it's a good option for them to move Ricardo Raquel. If he doesn't get moved now, he could get moved this offseason or before next year's trade deadline. Rasmus Ristolainen is another Sabres player who I think could be on the move for some teams looking for that other D-man. He's 26 years old, right about entering into his prime, uh, very solid right-handed defenseman. Uh, his contract ends next season as well, just like Ricard Raquel. And uh, like I said, the Sabres aren't going anywhere. And I think the Winnipeg Jets could be a great fit for this guy. Um, they're in desperate need of another defenseman as it's come out. Josh Morrissey, who's been clocking a lot of time for them, uh, they need that other guy to help hold it down. Um, and the Sabres just need to sell, sell, sell. And I think they could get some really good value for Erasmus Ristolainen. Um, so that's really going to do it for all our trade talk this week. Um, when we come back next week, there's going to be about five days left till the trade deadline. And uh, before I begin to wrap things up, uh, Patrick Marlowe, who I've talked about before when he became third all-time for most games played and has been talked about maybe getting traded this season. We talked a little bit about that next week, but he's moved into second place now for the most games all-time, passing the great Marc Messier, and now only needs to play 11 more games to pass the leader all-time, Gordie Howe, who has 1,767 games all-time. Now, Marlowe could or could not do that in the Shark sweater. It's all going to depend on what team he stays with, if he stays with the Sharks, or if any team's looking to move out for him. Although I do think it could be in jeopardy if he gets on the move. Not only will he have to quarantine and miss out on some games there, but he could, all, if he moves to a contender, he might be a healthy scratch a couple of times and not get all the game times that he would be expected. Um, but I guess we'll, we'll keep an eye on that and see what happens with that. So finally, we're going to move into my three stars of the week. At number three, it's a man I haven't really mentioned that much this season, but Sidney Crosby. Now, Sidney Crosby had two goals, five assists for seven points, and was a plus three in the Penguins' last four, where they found four and oh. Now, Sidney Crosby, once again, haven't really talked much about him, but Sidney Crosby, always a great player. Uh, he's more than a point per game, kind of flying under radar with age, um, but he what what else can you say about Sidney Crosby he's just everything for this Penguins team won three cups with them um and they're gonna look to make another playoff push this season and Crosby's gonna be a big factor and Evgeny Malkin's been getting things going uh so yeah that's my number three star and at number two I have Martin Nietzsche who had three goals and three assists for six points and a plus four in the past three games for the Hurricanes, where they went two and one. Now Nietzsche, who is centering that second line for the Hurricanes behind Sebastian Ajo, has provided great secondary scoring for the Carolina team and helping them in second place just behind that Tampa Bay Lightning team and is great to have as your second line center behind their star-studded first line that they've got up there. And finally, 
At my number one star is Adam Fox, who had one goal and eight assists for nine points and is a plus three in the Rangers' last four, where they went two and two. The young defenseman has been phenomenal this year and ranks both fourth for the team in points and fourth for defensemen in points this season. So finally, we will close out with the league leaders, giving you guys a little update. Not a lot has changed, but Kirill Kaprizov still sits atop of all rookies, leading the way with 27 points. Connor McDavid leads the league in assists and points, once again with 42 assists and 63 points, having an amazing season. Austin Matthews has reclaimed the sole lead for goals, edging out Connor McDavid as he now has 23 goals on the season. Victor Hedman now leads all defensemen with 33 points. And for goalies, Mrazek leads goals against with a .99 and a save percentage of .955. And Grubauer remains top with five shutouts and has now tied Vasilevsky in wins with 21 on the season. So... That's going to do it for this episode. Thank you all so much for listening. We are going to evaluate potential trades next week again and any that occur in the following week. And we will probably in the next week after be breaking down the trade deadline. I'll have the episode about two days afterwards, get all my thoughts together, look at all the trades, see where teams sit and make some potential guesses as to which teams will edge out into those third and fourth spots in the playoffs. Hopefully next week we'll get to see if Eric Stahl made a debut and see how he kind of fits into that Canadians lineup and what line combinations they kind of threw together around him. Uh, Make sure to follow me here on Spotify. I'll catch you all next week for another episode of Top Shelf.